Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It's Wednesday, December 7th, and this is Talking Comics. I am Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say. Welcome to the show, everybody. And joining us from the Great White North, the scourge of America, (laughs) Canada, Stephanie Cook. Hey. So this is Stephanie's first time on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We are excited to have you here. Um, why don't you tell the folks home a little bit about yourself? Um, how'd you get into comics? How long have you been into comics, etc.? Um, well, growing up for Baloa, I guess I got into comics in college when I was in uh, advertising and graphic design. I started sort of studying them for inspiration and it just sort of took off from there. Um, my roommate bought me one of the Justice League comics, and uh, I've been collecting pretty well ever since. Nice. I don't think she knew what can of worms she opened when she gave me that for Christmas. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> here I am. Do you so. um, go to more towards superhero books, more towards more independent stuff? Um, I pretty well read just about anything. I mean, I have, I have a huge bookshelf in my room that's pretty well divided up i have like superhero stuff i have independent stuff and you know it's big mix of everything i mean i collect like all of the fables and walking dead and then there's a big one shelf dedicated to batman and i mean (laughs) it's all a big mix of stuff very nice so we got a nice well-rounded person added to our superhero roster here indeed (laughs) which is nice um so, uh, so, um, anything else you want to tell the folks at home about yourself there, Steph? Any? I don't know. I called you Steph. I don't know you. I, always, I almost shortened your name without even really thinking about it. You know. Oh, well, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Steph, Stephanie, whatever. Okay. Um, I don't know. There's not too much to know about me. I, <laughs> <laughs> comics, obviously. I play video games. I watch okay. movies. Uh, there you go. I, yeah, that's pretty well me. All right. So just a comic book reading, <laughs> video game playing. Movie watching, Canadian girl. Yep. Hermit right. in the middle of nowhere on an island with one 13-kilometer bridge off of it. Isn't that how all of Canada is? That's how I picture all of Canada. <laughs> well, well, it's a, well, this, one, this is very small. We're very small. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, if you guys are tuning in for the, the first time, um, the way we kind of do things here on Talking Comics is we start off with our Book of the Week segment where we're going to talk about uh, our favorite book. Of the week, and uh, then we're gonna go kind of off the beaten path with uh, with Steve, and we're gonna talk about some books that maybe um, everybody is not reading. Uh, we used to call it down the indie rabbit hole, and then we thought maybe that's not the best title for it because they're not always gonna be independent books, but they are gonna be slightly off kilter books. 
That's where we want them. That's where we want them. Exactly. That's how we like it. <laughs> and then we're going to go into our topic of the week. And this week, I'm actually really excited about the topic because we're going to be doing kind of fantasy casting for a DC superheroes that haven't had movies yet. Am I correct in that? Yeah. Okay. Like new, like new 52 characters that we feel deserve their, their own films. Uh, who would you choose as a director? Who would you cast as, you know, the main players within the, within the film? And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll even do it again after tonight if it proves to be a good time, which I think it will be. Absolutely. And then we'll end with um, today's releases. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, it'll be uh, Wednesday the 7th releases. And then um, we'll get out of here, um, hopefully without hurting you all too much. So let's go right on to Book of the Week. Steve, what is your Book of the Week? My favorite Book of the Week. My favorite Book of the Weeks plural is uh andrew foley written by andrew foley and uh art by fiona staples in an absolutely awesome book called done to death uh i had picked this book up in a little uh comic shop inside of the east village on uh our jaunt to the city this past weekend bobby and i yes and um let me see I want to talk. I just want to talk about it really quick because we actually uh, are being afforded the opportunity to have Andrew join us on the podcast in the near future. We are maybe even next week. So, what is done to death? Imagine if you well, let's just say you don't like Twilight. I don't like Twilight, or the whole vampire culture. All these books that you see on the shelves of all these swoony lovey-dovey vampire stories that have completely decimated the good name of the vengeful bloodthirsty vampire well a editor of these transcripts is sick and tired of reading slogging through book after book after book of all this drivel all this crap that is coming into the mainstream so she decides that she's going to start offing these would-be authors so that nobody has to bother anymore. I would thank her for it. Anyway, the story continues with the biggest writer. Her name is, uh, I think, Shelley DeMornay. And she is visited by a real-life vampire named Andy, who feels that he's been wronged by the stories that have been told and wants to tell his own tale. Uh, I'll leave it at that. The book is an absolute riot. Um, I laughed the whole way through. I I read it twice in one sitting. As soon as I was finished, I read it again. Um, the art style is very interesting. To me, anyway, it felt like it had kind of like a 50s, 60s uh, fashion, uh, fashion sketch kind of vibe mm. to it. Very dark, very um, like, ske- like sketchy, not like, I, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, absolutely fantastic. I can't, I, 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 we'll go into it, uh, in more depth next week when we have a little bit more of a, uh, a better grasp on somebody who's with us that knows the book a hell of a lot better than I do. All I can tell you is that it's awesome. Uh, it was put out by IDW publishing. It's fantastic. It's a trade. It's a one shot thing. Go out and buy it. It's great. All right. Nice, Steve. Very nice. I'm excited to read it actually. It's super good, dude. I, I, was so satisfied, especially the final pages. I was like, oh, it's so good. In anticipation of uh, being on the show, possibly next week, I'm definitely going to check it out and definitely bone up so we can have a nice discussion next week. Um, 
my book of the week is not so indie. Uh, I had a, actually some struggles uh, with, with this because it was interesting this week because there were no DC New 52 books that were released. And so we kind of had to go outside our usual, um, I guess, comfort zone, for lack of a better word, to, to find you know, books to read and to review for the site. And I did, re- I did read a few, and I did come across um, uh, one really great one um, that's very indie called War of the Woods. But I want to talk about that in more detail, and there's a review going up on the site. Um, should be up now, actually, when you're listening to this. Um, but I want to talk about that in more detail when we, a little bit longer time. So right now, um, my book of the week is... I'm a big fan of um, uh, the video game Mass Effect. And um, I, the truth of this is kind of cheating because this book didn't even come out this week. But uh, I read it this week. Good job, Bobby. Yeah. Uh, well, there's also the Uncharted book, which, uh, which I've read, which is very good. It's very entertaining. But um, the Mass Effect uh, series that's running right now, it's a four-part series. It's called Invasion. And it's written, actually, by the lead writer of Mass Effect 3, which is coming out in March. And it, it captures nearly perfectly the, what I love about Mass Effect as as a game and it's very actually comparable to kind of the uncharted book where both of them get to focus on the story elements and the character interactions and the dialogue which are the things i love about both of those games and get to forego the parts where you have to shoot a million things (laughs) you know now this is not video game review the uncharted shooting i'm sorry the mass effect shooting system i think is much better than the uncharted one however those are my favorite parts of the game because the story and the characters are so good. But unlike the Uncharted book, which is covering the same characters that we've grown to know and love in the video game series, uh, Mass Effect is covering kind of side characters, characters that we've met along the way but haven't really been focusing on. Um, they're very, it's a, they're very wordy books. There's two out so far. Um, they're from Dark Horse. They're three fifty each, but they are worth worth it. They're packed full. Um, of content uh, some really great space battles are going on mm. the use of the mass effect powers like uh there's a thing called biotics in the mass effect universe which make people sort of like jedis they have sort of um telekinetic telekinetic stuff. powers and they're amplified and the, the lead character aria is a is an asari who is a biotic race they have very good grasp very great grasp on those powers and so you get to see some really great stuff um the story is interesting. It, it takes place in between two and three. So if you're not a Mass Effect fan, you might really not, you might not get what's going on. However, I think that it's a pretty good job in its previously on cover page and kind of just giving you a good adventure story where you might not have to know everything about that universe, but it definitely get, you definitely get more enjoyment reading yeah. it. The art is also really fun and uh, dynamic and powerful, and it's it's just a really great read. And I, as a fan of the video game, I was just I can't wait for issue three. Um, that being said, the Uncharted comic, really quick, is also very good. Um, but it's just not I I don't think it gives to the same level as the Mass Effect. Comic. Yeah, I played um, Mass Effect. I th- I think I got about maybe halfway or a little bit more than halfway through the first game, and uh, then I gave up because I just I got lost. But uh, the one thing that I did love about it was the fact that I felt that when they'd created, even from the first game, that the world was so mm-hmm. well conceived and it was so vast that it, it really did remind me kind of like a like a Star Wars, that it has its own universe. 
And I think it'd actually be really cool to uh, learn about some of those characters because some of them were really quirky and and really interesting. Yeah, it really does have a a great, huge universe. And unlike a lot of, I feel like, expanded universe content for a lot of games, TV shows, whatever, it it feels like this could be going on just organically while the events of the character you follow in the games is going on instead of something that's kind of shoehorned in. Because there's not, there's not even so far, at least, there's not any... Oh, remember when this happened in the video game? You know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's not happening. So I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of that in general. And it's a great, it is a great universe, a huge universe, and it's fun to be playing in a different area of that Very universe. Very cool. Very cool. So Stephanie. Yes. So uh, uh, I guess this week I chose to talk about Anya's ghost. Yes. Um, Steve was actually the one that told me about this book in the first place. That was and, me. Um, yeah, it took me forever to find myself a copy. It wasn't available up in Canada. So uh, I finally got my hands <sighs> on a copy. Available in Canada. <laughs> and I don't know why. I couldn't find it. So uh, this one's written by Anya Brosko. Bro- Bros- Brosko. I don't know how to say Brosko. her last name. Yes, thank you. Anyways, and um, the story basically follows the character of Anya, who... Um, is a typical high school student. She is embarrassed by her family. She just wants to get through it. And she wants to, you know, have a boyfriend and, you know, just be able to make it through unscathed. Um, and one day she accidentally falls down a well and she stumbles across the remains of another girl who had fallen into the well and was not fortunate enough to be rescued. Um, so, she also stumbles across the ghost and I guess just befriends this ghost. And uh, basically it's just her sort of sort of story about, you know, what happens um, after the light of these events. And uh, yeah, you think it's sort of like this Casper, the friendly ghost scenario at first. And um, it doesn't it she... Doesn't she follow? She follows her around. Like she, she follows yeah. her around school. She fo- tries to. She's basically her her confidant for most yes. of the book. And um, the ghost sort of becomes her her friend, and she's able to kind of help her with life scenarios that she's kind of awkward in. And uh, yeah, basically, it kind of takes um a dark twist or dark turn, and um. It's really great. I enjoyed it a lot. It's kind of um, the art style sort of, um, I haven't seen the movie, but from what I've seen in like the previews and stuff, it looks a bit like um, Persephilus? Persephilus? It looks exactly like that, actually. Oh, okay, cool. It's mm-hmm. awesome. It's a it's a great, great book. I, I read it a while back and it's it's really enjoyable. It's actually um, a little bit like that, um, what was it, My Faith in Frankie that I talked about yeah, a yeah. few weeks ago? It's kind of in that vein. It's it's got that same vibe to it of of being, you know, um, followed around by something that's kind of guiding you for for you know a time in your life where you're very vulnerable, and then mm-hmm. circumstances come up that it, it starts to turn on you. Mm. So, but it's a lot of fun. It's uh, very quirky, and uh, I believe even Neil Gaiman uh, gives this book his stamp of approval. Yes, so. he does. You know it's got to be good if he likes it. <laughs> yeah, you can't really argue with Neil Gaiman's stamp of approval. No, exactly. I, don't, I don't think anybody. I think you would probably burst into flames at the very thought. <laughs> very thought. The very just thinking. Don't even think about it, man. Don't even consider. You think about it. This podcast is over. I'm considering it. Now I'm dead. 
<laughs> Those are my two <laughs> options. Um, so, awesome. So that was a nice eclectic group of books. Speaking of eclectic books, let's go off the beaten path. Let's go off the beaten path. With Steve. Ooh. All right. What have you got for us this week, Steve? Um, well, while we're talking about Neil Gaiman, let's talk about him some more. Shall Yay. we? Hold on. Let me get my, my notes. All right. Uh, Neil <laughs> Gaiman, I, uh, I actually had... Shut up. I had a... Uh, my good friend, Mr. James, came over to my house uh, earlier this week, and he actually gifted unto me a two gigantic tubs of comic books that were being kept at his parents' house. Lots of... I mean, the entire Nightfall series, uh, Iron Man books... So many, so many books. But one of the ones that grabbed my attention that I was so excited to see was a, uh, I guess, a Neil Gaiman Presents. It's called Mr. Hero, the Mnemonic Man. And it was number one. And it was absolutely awesome. Um, what this book is about is a uh, an alien race or an alien ru- ruler named, uh, I think it's Technophange. And basically what he's done is he's taken the materials of this planet that he that he inhabits and he uses them to build these robots, basically these automatons, and he sh- is shipping them. He, he builds them with evil intent and he ships them to other planets to conquer other planets in his name. And everything's mm. all going, you know, all fine and dandy. But then one day something happens and one of the robots, you know, he sends to Earth conveniently enough is uh something's wrong with him in a sense of that he's not a villain he's actually a hero so what happens is the uh the hero gets lost for a number of years about a hundred years and is found again by uh these two people one named uh jennifer she's like a street mime who wants to break into a bigger scene and become a magician and her friend hodges who's basically just this big beefy lug that follows her around kind of like a little puppy dog he you know he's really digging her the whole bit just wants to watch movies and spend time together the whole the whole deal and uh basically what happens is they unearth this uh this automaton mr hero and the thing that i love the most about this book and i can't wait to read the rest of the issues is the character of mr hero himself is that when he bursts out of this box he turns out to be this like mustachioed vaudevillian boxer robot and just the way that he talks is is it speaks to my personal like comedy styles that i like the things that make me laugh where he's like you know bouncing around float like a butterfly sting like a bee style and he's like you know have at you and you know what ho and all this stuff and he's spinning around kind of like a nasty scoundrel yeah He kind of reminded me like of like uh, TikTok from Return to Oz, mm, okay. like TikTok's father or something like that. So creepy. So anyway, um, TikTok is creepy. Yes, <laughs> for the record. <laughs> so it turns out that I have the rest of these books. Um, I am totally, totally going to go through these and do a proper, uh, you know, full scale review of the series when I get around to it. But uh, absolutely awesome. If you can get your hands on it, it's uh, presented by Neil Gaiman. It's called Mr. Hero, and it was put out by Techno Comics. So that's what I got. Stephanie, what do you have? Um, well, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Brian K. Vaughn's The Pride of Baghdad. Wonderful, wonderful book. Yes. Um, if you're not familiar with Brian K. Vaughn, he's done a lot of mainstream work. Um, 
but this is pretty well the first comic that uh, really put him on the map for me. Um, he wrote a bunch of other stuff like uh, the Marvel series Runaways, Why the Last Man. Um, He's a writer he wrote, on fucking Lost. All right. Yes, he did write Lost. I was getting Did he? That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoa. I tried, I tried to tell Steve that before, but he doesn't listen to me. So no, I, you know. I really don't. He doesn't listen to anybody, Stephanie. No. Let's when be we fair. talk online, she <laughs> tells me all kinds of things. I'm just like, huh? <laughs> um, anyways, so the art is by Nico Henriken. Henriken? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm terrible with the... Swedish names? Yeah, apparently he lives in Quebec, uh, up here in the Canada, but, you know, whatever. Anyways. Hates her own people. Hates yes, her own it's people. my people. Um, so this is put out by Vertigo, and um, basically it's the story of... Um, it's a true story, or based on a true story, of the animals in the Baghdad Zoo during the Iraq War, I believe. Is it the Iraq War, Steve? Is yes, that, it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically the art is amazing. It's just completely stunning. And um the story's told from a pride of the perspective of a pride of lions. Um, so it takes you from them being held in captivity and sort of their lives there, and um then it goes from them kind of get I guess the zoo just gets bombed and uh, they get freed and all these animals are running amok among, in Baghdad and uh, it's their story and it's, it's incredible. I mean, it, it's, oh, I it's don't a, even know where to. Can I say something real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. Cool. Yeah, I, I just, um, Stephanie and I were like, basically we read this together and um, it's a really, really just a wonderful, wonderful book. It's um, kind of like a, 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 big commentary on what it's like to have what the way that i read it was people that live in a war zone that have been enslaved and that are that are being you know held captive by their leaders and such and basically by way of war they're given the opportunity to achieve their freedom but they realize that without without their leaders to keep them fed and in whatever conditions they were living in that now that they're free that there really still are no options to truly be free. And it's a, it's another one of those situations where if you just replace the animals with people, it tells a completely different story. So, um and the end is the end is a very very poignant and like she like Stephanie had mentioned, it is based on true events. So, it's a little sad, but it's a very very what I would say a powerful book and it is absolutely gorgeous there are there's this one one page that really really got to me uh of these turtles that uh one of them was telling a story and he had a memory and it was a bunch of his people uh trapped in an oil spill and it was just this two-page panel of all these turtles trapped within this oil but just the the sun shining off of the oil bubbles and all of them like choking in the oil it was really it it got to me it was really really cool it's really graphic too at times. I mean, it doesn't just because it's from the perspective of animals. I mean, I mean, Brian K. Vaughn wasn't like, oh, Peter's going to be on my back for this shit if I put like <laughs> animals getting blown up. Like, <laughs> I don't know. There's a giraffe. And do you, Steve, do you remember the giraffe? Oh, uh, yes. I definitely remember the giraffe. <laughs> I was like, uh, oh, who's this guy? Oh, never mind. 
it doesn't matter because he has no head and there's <laughs> it's it's pretty graphic it's i mean it's super haunting though i mean at the end of it you just it sticks with you it really does it's uh it's it's a uh, you know don't don't let yourself go this way as a human race kind of book mm-hmm. um like it i def i i've read it uh, obviously i've read it it's awesome. Uh, if you can get your hands on it, it's it's a really really powerful read. So definitely worth picking up. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I I read a lot of books, but it's rare that something actually like hits me hits me that when I put it down like an hour or two later, I'm still thinking about it. Mm-hmm. It was definitely one of those. And uh, Brian K. Vaughn just says one point. Like, I mean, he's a brilliant writer, obviously, but uh, even just the images, the story could have told itself just with the images. Um, it's fantastically put together. That's all. That's all I got to say about it. Nice. Um, I, you guys got me interested. It's in it's, it. it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Usually, I don't uh, listen to things Steve says on the show, but I was actually listening this time. <laughs> we had you at Brian. <laughs> the K. power of two. <laughs> you did have me at Brian K. Vaughn. Is really what it was. I was like, ooh, lost. Awesome. Lost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think uh, I think we can get back on the path now. Well, I'm gonna. Oh, oh. Detour, hold on a second. I'm going to come off the beaten path just for a second yes. with you. Yes. I don't usually I don't usually read a lot of all the beaten path. You don't usually join us on the path, I Bobby. I don't because usually I'm reading I'm usually like, I'm on the I'm on the highway. Come I'm like, on, "Hey, I'm over here." See, look all these big beautiful cars. I'm with these, but now I'm in the woods with you guys. Um, seeing away from the superheroes a little bit. Um, I mentioned before I'm reading this I read this uh War of the Woods. It's a six-part uh comic book. It, it's divided into seasons. So it's season 1. Uh, it's um, written by uh, God, Michael Petz, I believe is his name. I'm going to look it up and I'm going to be totally wrong when I look it up right now. Uh, I, I wrote it like seven times in the review and I, and I blanked on it at this moment. Uh, it's an independent comic. It's web only. And it tells the tale of uh, basically an invasion of the world by aliens through the perspective of far, uh, wood, uh, woodland creatures. My brain's gone. <laughs> Farm animals. Farm animals. No. <laughs> Woodland creatures. Uh, the goats scared. The goats. <laughs> Those cows are terrified. So it's <laughs> it, it sort of uh, relates somewhat to what you guys were just talking about. Not nearly as graphic or violent, probably, as what you guys were discussing. Um, it has much more whimsy to it. Than, uh, and it feels, I mean, he tries it himself as Wind in the Willows meets War of the Worlds. Very secret of Nim as well. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And even I feel like sometimes with sort of the, uh, it has some quirk to it. It's a little bit fantastic, Mr. Fox, thrown there a little bit. Um, the, the cool thing about it is that it's animals who are obviously acting like humans in a lot of ways, but it never, it never asks you to laugh at that. It's ne- that's never a joke. It's never, look at these, look at this otter. It's talking. Isn't it funny that it acts like a human being? It, they just kind of exist, and to a certain degree, is even sort of realistic because they have, they don't have. There's no like otter TV or like you know wildlife theater. It's just they have actually a TV and a radio that they've kind of scavenged from humans that they run on batteries that they can kind of take in the information that they're getting, um, and they are aware of the world outside, but they, it's not a as a big a concern to them. Um, there's even a really cool moment where they see a human's house, and they're like, we can't go in there. They're going to be in there like that. Uh, I don't want to go near those things. That's what, that's what they, they call humans things. Um, and the the design, I, I, from my opinion, the art is stronger than the writing of the book. I think the art is beautiful. The animals 
have a realistic look while still having a style to them. Uh, I feel like the writing sometimes is a little bit on the nose, a little bit exact in its kind of exposition, and it, it gets a little bit clunky for me at times. However, um, the book is an all ages book so it's meant for adults and younger and younger children so you know you have to there's a line you have to skate there and i think he does a very good job of doing it um there's some really in, uh, great imagery the design of the aliens is probably my favorite thing about the book they have what you call it us uh they have like a the their bottom jaw almost kind of like scythes out of their of their their face um really awesome almost uh in a way kind of reminded me Follow me here. If you've seen Attack the Block, uh, actually reminds me of the female that was uh, killed by Moses at the beginning of the movie. Picture that, but a uh, larger male version, more more threatening, uh, with a scythe-like chin. That's not a actually not a bad description at all. Hey, I aim to it. please. Even even the actual story is in a way it's that type of story. It's these things have come into our area. We have to do something. Yeah. Because they're not going to leave us alone. Um, it's got a good adventure uh, run to it. It has very classic adventure things happening with the young creature, the young character going on a journey, um, having to grow up in difficult circumstances. Um, and we get this, it's a, uh, we get this great badass, I guess it's a fisher, which is some sort of like, I, I think, mongoose type animal i thought it was a badger it's not a badger it's called a fisher that i mean it's i think it's a marsupial or something <laughs> I, I have no idea what it is it's from canada so i think stephanie <laughs> should probably know it does say it probably lives in your backyard stuff yeah it's entirely possible i mean yeah there um, there are things um <laughs> there are uh, things. one thing that that i really loved about it was um the idea that these animals have a network that there's like the yeah. like the seven nations how we have ours they have theirs mm-hmm. it exists for them they have like their messengers and their They're warriors organized. and their people yeah they are they're yeah. organized and it's totally legit the way that it's delivered in the book like you were mm-hmm. saying earlier is that they play it straight yeah it's never like these are talking animals you're you know narnia is being threatened it's right, it's yeah. not like that at all Diddly, so, diddly, diddly. It's real human <laughs> crisis, but from the perspective of woodland creatures. Yeah, and it's a it's a fully realized world, which is what's so interesting about it. And there's promise of a bigger world surrounding all of it. And like all great adventure stories, when season one ends, you really have no idea how this kind of seemingly insignificant creature is going to take on this gigantic global threat. So they've been doing a pretty good job so far. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one guy. He lives in Brooklyn. <laughs> he he put it out digitally. Um, it's, and it, it, I only reason I found it was because I was looking for things to read because the DC not putting out any books this week. I came across it. The first issue was free, um, and then the other five are ninety nine cents each. So it is completely nice. worth it. Um, support I support the really independent comic. Like not even it doesn't even have a publisher. Uh. <laughs> Great, great read. So I'd say definitely I vouch check it for out. it as well. Go, go find it. Go read it. Go forth and enjoy. I read the whole thing in like 20 minutes and I loved every minute of it. It was awesome. Awesome. Great. And his name is Matthew Petz. I was right. Nice. <laughs> Score. Yes. Yay. Yes. Don't um, have to go back and edit that. I don't. 
His name is Matthew Petz. <laughs> um, the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> so we are moving on. We're getting back on the path. Getting back on the path. We're going right onto the express lane here because we're going to talk about DC New 52. Choo choo. Movie choices. <laughs> Sorry. We'll take a short break and we'll be back right after this. All right, we are back, and we're ready to play movie executive. We are going to take DC New 52 characters that haven't had movies yet, and cast, and pick our director for those films. Um, I'm excited. I don't. I, I know who Steve is doing. I don't know who he has cast or picked as director, and I'm totally blind when it comes to what Stephanie's doing. I think we're all blind. So I'm excited. I did write in the thing that you're doing. Oh, no, but I wrote the wrong thing because yeah. you changed, but mine is still known. I changed mine for the better. Right. Okay. So <laughs> I will, I'm going to start. I wanted you to start. Well, good thing I I'm was doing gonna, it, I was going to put you on the spot because you always put me on the spot. It's for well, because I'm usually the one doling out the assignments. So you're the host. I, I am the host. The house. <laughs> you go. Um, all right. So my hero is The Flash who is my favorite DC hero, who somehow or another, because DC can't get their act together, hasn't had a movie yet. We've had two Iron Man movies and a Thor movie, which I all like those movies, but we haven't had a Flash movie, who is one of the bigger heroes in the DC universe. Um, so, but it's good that it hasn't happened yet because now I can make the best movie possible <laughs> in my brain. Are you listening, Hollywood? Yeah, listen up. You're on notice, Hollywood. <laughs> Bobby's telling you what's the what. All right, what do you got? All right, so The Flash. Um, let me ask you a question before I start. <laughs> Go just so we it. get a, you, Would you really start with the director or start with the lead actor? I think the uh, director. Okay, so the director was the hardest part uh, for me to pick. Uh, I, was tr- I was trying to decide uh, what kind of movie I wanted to be, first of all. Do, do, wanna, do, do, do I want to focus on the ability of The Flash or kind of the detective aspect? of Barry Allen, and and so I was going through a lot of different ideas, and I kind of decided that it was more important to have a director who could really get that kinetic feeling happening in 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 The Flash, because The Flash is obviously all speed. One of the best things about any Flash book is the way The Flash is depicted in his panels and how you show his speed. Um, now, my initial idea was Edgar Wright. That was my initial idea. I'm I'm not actually keeping Edgar Wright. He he didn't make the didn't make the final cut because um, a he's already directing in the real world. He's already directing a superhero movie. He's directing Ant Man, and two uh, his movies have a certain style to them which I love, but it's not what I'm looking for in a Flash movie. I want it to be slightly more serious than Edgar Wright usually does in his films. I don't want Flash to be an action comedy. But you don't want Batman dark, right? Like No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I want there to be humor, but I don't want the humor to be... You don't want him to talk like this? No. (laughs) Well, no one ever talks to him, really. He's so fast that he doesn't really get in the situations. But like, Talk like the micro-machine guy. Yeah. That would be great. (laughs) That's who I... Damn it. That's who I cast. Make it animated instead. I cast the micro-machine guy as the Flash. 
No, um, but Edgar Wright tends to have action and comedy kind of be at the same level, which Edgar Wright has directed some of my favorite movies of all time. So I love those things, but it's not exactly what I want for the Flash movie. Now, my pick... Yeah, who's your pick, Bobby? My pick is going to maybe raise a few eyebrows. Uh, my pick would be, I guess they're now the Wachowski siblings, would be my, my pick to direct the Flash movie. Um, and here's why. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you right now. Um, uh, they, they, the Flash has some big ideas to it, right? It has some crazy powers, some intense... Uh, um, action things and some very different things we really haven't seen on screen. His ability to vibrate things, solid matter through other solid matter is something that hasn't really been seen uh, on screen. Uh, the Wachowskis, say what you will about the 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 final two Matrix movies, which I don't like the last Matrix movie. I like the second Matrix movie. Um, th- th- they all have big ideas in them and they all do crazy action things, especially the highway scene at the end of the, the second Matrix movie is insane. Mm. Um, move on though to something more recent and a movie that most people haven't seen uh, Speed Racer Speed Racer was great Speed Racer is awesome great movie um, the sense of speed in Speed Racer is fantastic the, the, the colors the, the, the edge of your seat kind of way he projects these, these fast moving objects against fast moving object was astounding to me um, and the effects in Speed Racer I think are almost completely perfect there's only a few moments where I feel like I'm watching something that's computer generated, and that's important. The Wachowskis also know how to handle big movies. They know how to, and that's what they do. So I think they're a good choice. And I think that story in Speed Racer, even though it didn't need to be, I think is very sound. I think it has good family relationships. I think it handles comedy and drama very well. And also they wrote V for Vendetta, which is another movie that I love. That movie's awesome too. Which has a more noirish feel to it. And that's something also that can be brought into Barry Allen's kind of detective work, because Barry Allen is a great detective. He's a, he's a you know a criminologist, and so that is my pitch for the Wachowskis directing the movie. Um, does anybody have any thoughts about the Wachowskis before I move on to my? No, my I think I, I think it's a good choice. I it's definitely from left field, but after you explained it, I I would definitely uh, like to see something like that. Cool, Stephanie. What about you? Do you do you, what do you think of my choice of the Wachowskis to direct um, the Flash? I mean, yeah, just what Steve said pretty well. I mean, I could definitely see uh, it happening with the reasons you gave, you know, for why you chose them. Good answer, Stephanie. It's good to agree with me. <laughs> yeah. Now, now you, you can stay on the show. All right. yes. <laughs> Not fired. <laughs> so uh, moving on to casting. Uh, Barry Allen will be doing. I tried to base it off the new the book that's running right now. And then the flash that we have right now is Barry Allen. Um, Barry Allen is. Not a very, he's not a wisecracking, sarcastic guy. He's a much more um, uh, down-to-earth, honest, you know, he's not cynical. And he does have some funny moments. Obviously, he's a smart guy, so he, he and he has has a good banter with uh, Iris West, who in the past has always been his wife, but now is uh, a reporter that's kind of trying to figure out uh, what's going on with the Flash and who he is and all this other stuff. Um, So I didn't want to go with somebody too dour and serious obviously because he's not dour and serious he's much more captain america than 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 that um and uh, so i went with um army hammer who is plays uh the winklevoss twins in the social network uh he's yeah he's gonna be in that movie mirror mirror which looks atrocious and um 
Yeah, he was also once cast, I believe, as I think either I think Batman in the George Miller uh, Justice League movie that was supposed to happen um, a, a while back that got cut off by the strike. I can totally see him in the suit. Yeah, but he he you know he's a he's a well built guy. He's in shape. But he's not too big. He's got the he's got blonde hair, which Barry Allen almost always traditionally has blonde hair. Even though I'm not the biggest proponent of that person has to look look like the person, but it it certainly helps. He has. No, a super, he looks like a comic book character. He, he does. He has a superhero jaw. <laughs> he definitely has a superhero jaw. Uh, yeah. The, sorry, go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, I was just gonna say, totally, he has the bone structure. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and I, I think uh, he proved in Social Network that he is both a good dramatic actor and he's also very funny. I hear he's also very good in J. Edgar, even though I hear that movie is not very good. So that's my choice for Barry Allen. Excellent. The Flash. Um, a lot of thought went into this. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you've you've got a lot of a uh, lot of lot of bullets to back I've, up that gun of yours. I made lists. I made lists of actors. There was no list in fifteen. I actors. chose mine in like ten minutes. There was no list in fifteen actors on my list. Jesus. Um, I thought about like Ryan Gosling and stuff, but he's too serious. Do you have any other characters? Too <laughs> he's too dreamy. <laughs> Sorry. I don't want him to go fast. I want him to go slow. Can you just run everything in slow motion <laughs> uh, without a shirt on? Do you have preferably. one for uh, casting for Iris West? I do have casting for Iris West. Who would you pick? I pick Rachel McAdams yes. for, for Iris West. I wanted somebody who's smart, a little sassy, but uh, also pretty, obviously, because we're casting a Hollywood movie here. You know? <laughs> was that your cat or was that you? No, that was me. Okay. I've perfected my you know, cat noise. <laughs> I think that she is a good actress, and I think that she proven uh, really. I mean, I looked to, I thought about movie, other movies that the actors had been in, and she's in a movie called State of Play, which also didn't didn't get a lot of attention when it came out. It's a remake oh, of a. Watch the BBC one. I've I've seen the BBC one as well, which is also very good. <laughs> uh, but she, she, that movie was good, and she was very good as a kind of young enterprising reporter in that. Um, I also cast one more role, a villain role. Um, I didn't cast. There is really no villain per se yet in the new 52 book there's like a set of villains more uh, uh, more to say and i don't really feel like casting that so i picked one of the more classic flash villains who hasn't appeared yet which i'm sure eventually will and that would be um professor zoom aka the reverse flash uh ridiculous name i know uh but he's really the flash is at least in the last couple years has become like the chief nemesis of the flash he's a, a scientist from the future who wanted to recreate the flash's powers um and and thusly kind of became barry allen's uh, biggest enemy which is bound to happen in a comic book uh and my pick was michael fassbender for that nice uh, uh, michael fassbender i think stephanie likes my choices fast boner I, I do i would watch this movie yep <laughs> uh, <laughs> it and wouldn't so, even have to be good i mean i would still watch it <laughs> Um. Yeah, because Fassbender's got he's got brains, and that's what's really the most important thing. He's got a he's got like a a life build, which is which is good because he's supposed to be like a a fast guy, and um he's got intelligence, and he's got on screen intelligence, which is more important because he can go toe to toe with our Barry Allen. So that is indeed my, that's my Flash movie. That's I would watch that. You're welcome, Hollywood. Yep. <laughs> Get to it. Get to it. Um. All right. So let's have Stephanie do hers. Yeah, Stephanie. Wait. Okay. Well, I, as you may or may not know, haven't really had a chance to catch up on the DC Fifty Two stuff yet. Um. So I went pretty cliche, and I chose Wonder Woman. Mm. Um. 
most of my choices, I think people have probably heard before. Who'd but, you pick for a director? Um, I picked Joss Whedon. It's ah. something I know he's expressed interest in doing the movie before, and um, I think that he would really work for it. I mean, I love Buffy. I love everything he's done pretty well. And I think he is probably one of the only people who could really make Wonder Woman that mix of strong, fun, and kind of hokey all in the same thing, but still have her be taken seriously. Yeah. So I... I mean, I know there's other directors that could probably pull it off, but... Um, Stephanie, I, I'll never argue with Joss Whedon directing anything. Yeah, I don't think I mean, anybody on this podcast would before, do that. But I, he, I think... Yeah, I think he was he supposed to direct it, it at some... He was actually supposed to direct it at some yeah, fo- at one point. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's perfect. I mean, you, you want to make... If you look at the history in the last 20 years, 15 years of people who make strong yet interesting female protagonists i mean he's number one uh, on that list i mean how else he's like the only person who's managed to successfully make sarah michelle geller interesting so i mean that's a feat exactly so i mean what could he do with uh you know the wonder woman franchise and i think he could do a really great job between his following and um wonder woman's following so yeah that is who I would like to see direct a Wonder Woman movie. So who is he going to make this badass? Um, I wasn't able to really narrow it down to one specific Wonder Woman, but um, <laughs> there was a few people that I selected that I could see kicking ass as Wonder Woman. Um, I initially thought of someone like Summer Glau, but I really don't think that she's really no. Amazon-y enough to pull off the look of yeah, she's a little so, small. Yeah. Um, my other choices were Evangeline Lilly, which I have a feeling you guys will like. Lost. Um, <laughs> no, not so much. No, no. I know. I like, I like Evangeline Lilly. I do. Um, Charlize Theron. Hmm. And maybe even um, Anna Frail. She could yeah. be cool, possibly, if she could rise to the occasion. Hmm. I I don't know. Um, I know Christina Hendricks recently uh, voiced that she would be wanting to play a Wonder Woman character. And um, well, I think she could do a really cool Wonder Woman. I think maybe with her red hair, she gives me more of a sort of Artemis feel, I guess, as opposed to Wonder Woman. She could be Wonder Woman's mother. She could. I didn't mean that like, you know, derogatory. (laughs) She's old. She's not old. She's awesome. She's hot. She is hot. She is really hot. Yeah, I've and- seen every episode of Mad Men, and I'm going to stop myself. <laughs> I think pretty well anyone that got cast as Wonder Woman would probably at first be like, oh, no, this is going to be awful. Mm-hmm. But if someone like Joss Whedon was directing it, I think I would grow to love whoever he chose as long as it isn't Elijah Dushku. You don't like Elijah Dushku? Well, I like her in Buffy, but outside of that, I mean, mm. she's pretty awful and pretty well everything. Like she's got Maybe an attitude problem. Yeah, she, well, I mean, she's like spunky and stuff, but like she's just not a good actress. No, gotcha. not okay. good. Gotcha. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, the Evangeline Lilly thing I like because I like Lost. Um, I guess they could fix it with the camera tricks. I feel like you have to be tall to be Wonder Woman. That's like, I don't even care like hair color or build. I don't know if Evangeline Lilly's ready yet. 
She's not ready? What I mean? She's not ready to be Wonder Woman yet. What does that mean? It means that she's, I don't know. I don't know if she could rise to the occasion. It's like the third time I've said that this it's podcast. It's true, yeah. It's your thing. My God. No one is good enough for you. No. Never. No. Never. No. I don't, you know, like, I don't think there's many actresses out there that could really embody what Wonder Woman is to me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's more or less going to be one of those things where I'd have to settle because to me, Wonder Woman isn't a scrawny, size zero Hollywood actress. And I mean, you're going to have to make the best of what you're given, right? So She doesn't wear shiny blue uh, pants oh God. and boots. Don't and even get awful, me started on that bitch. Outfit Stephanie, that- Ar- Stephanie Aria had a Twitter fight about this. Oh, <laughs> right. God. Okay, you know what? Fine. Just not as Wonder Woman, though. Adrian. I have no problem. That show looked horrible. I will not dispute that. But Adrian Palicki is a really good actress. She's great in Friday Night Lights. She's tall as hell. And she has an attitude to spare. So she might have been really good as Wonder Woman. That's all I'm saying. She's in the first season of Supernatural, too, right? Yes. Yeah. I Um, love Supernatural. I mean, I don't have anything against her. I just didn't like where that Wonder Woman TV series was going. I mean, they just, it was going in a direction where Wonder Woman was going to be taken even less seriously. So I'm really glad that got um, the boot. Well, you don't think David E. Kelly is the perfect person to bring Wonder Woman to the the small oh, screen? That costume. Oh my God. Yeah, the Make costume he, Just bad. thinking about it makes me want to vomit everywhere. Just terrible. <laughs> Strong uh, reactions from Stephanie Cook on the Wonder Woman costume. <laughs> Do you have any other uh, castings, or did you just cast Wonder Woman? Well, aside from maybe thinking Christina Hendricks could play Artemis, I didn't really go too in-depth. And as far as the casting, I I spent a lot of time trying to figure out who would make a good Wonder Woman. If you so. read the New 52, perhaps Sinead O'Connor could be Strife. Sinead O'Connor! For, for those of you reading, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> Come on. Does she sing? She's, yeah. She she shaves her head. That, that yeah, counts that, for so that something. Mean, that means she has to be Sinead O'Connor? Yes. <laughs> well, then she could be that girl from Empire Records. Hey, oh, oh, Robin um, Tunney. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that She's girl from the craft. trying to think of that one line that Renee Zellweger says to her. Oh, I can't think of it. I you, can't you, you think on it. We're going to no. hand the reins over to Steve. Is it my turn? I think it's yours. Think it's yours. All right. I'm going to try not to to take as long. Anyway, we're fine on time. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, The uh, book from the New 52 that I chose that I would absolutely love to see is uh, Jeff Lemire's uh, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, I think would make an awesome, awesome movie. Uh, I wanted to pick a director that's good with awkward angles, really good uh, tight shots, kind of has almost like a tripped out feel to the way he does things. I was thinking very uh, Fisher King and uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So naturally, I chose Terry Gilliam as my director. What are you rolling your eyes for? It's fine. He hasn't made a a great movie in a long time. That's all I'm saying. This could be his comeback. Yeah, okay. okay. I'm giving this to him. All right. All right. All right. I like him very much. He's one of my favorites, so... I used to like him when he was good. Ah, <laughs> uh, we're going to have words. I'm just trolling you right now. We're going to have words and this is over. All right, so uh, I will start with my casting of Frankenstein. Uh, I went through several people when I was thinking about this, and uh, after watching the film Warrior, I watched it twice, uh, I settled on Tom Hardy 
for Frankenstein. Frankenstein's very, very mean. Very, uh, just a big, big dude. Uh, Tom Hardy's playing Bane in the next Batman. He's he's bulking up, and I said, you know what? While while you're bulking up, just hop on over to the other stage and make my Frankenstein movie. I think that with you know some really good makeup effects, a good makeup team, uh, he could he could definitely definitely handle it. He's got the acting chops. He's got that broody, nasty face. The last half hour of Warrior, the the look that he gives his his brother in that film is just is it chills me to the bone. So Tom Hardy for Frankenstein. Now one of the unique things about Frankenstein: Agent of Shade is that the actual Dr. Frankenstein, he regenerates into uh, different bodies over time to survive. And in the New 52, he actually regenerates into uh, what looks like a uh, little ja- um, Japanese schoolgirl with a, uh, like a bandit mask over her face. So I chose Ellen Wong, from uh, Scott Pilgrim, Knives Chow, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. to to fill Father Time, <laughs> I thought would nice. just be fun. Nice, that'd be awesome. Yeah, um, Bride of Frankenstein. Bride of Frankenstein is this uh, green, four armed, four guns blazing, screaming her head off, barking orders, the whole bit. Lucy Lawless immediately okay. came to mind, and uh, yeah. so I have a couple more castings. Some of them a little ridiculous. Um, in, in the, in the book, he travels around, um, he does all his, his adventures with the creature commandos, which is essentially, uh, a merwoman, a wolfman, a man bat, and a mummy. So let's just run through real quick characters. Uh, Callus, who is the mummy, he's very silent, but he, he moves very awkwardly. He's got lots of big, big powers. Um, just... Body type and, and and mystique. I chose Adrian Brody to to play him. Okay. Um. Next, we have the big man bat, uh, Vincent uh, Velcro. I think is his name. Did I type that right? I don't know. Anyway, Vincent um, Velcro. Vel- what? Vel- Velcor, Velcro. I'm, Velcor. S- I'm sorry, Jeff. I I tried to take good notes. I screwed up. Maybe I shoelaces didn't screw up. are not so good. Anyway, Hate shoelaces hates them. Uh, I think uh, Reese uh, Ifans from mm-hmm. uh, he was just he was Captain James Hook in the Neverland sci-fi that just There's came out. He's in Harry Potter. He's in Harry Potter. <laughs> is he in Little Nicky? Is he the the yes. brother? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he's in Notting um, Hill. <laughs> yeah. So I just again looking at the characters from the book, knowing their personalities, thinking of somebody that could pull this off. Somebody that's known but not too big. Uh, I think he could definitely handle it. Um, next we had the character of the Wolfman. This was probably the hardest one to choose. Uh, his name is Warren Griffith. And I actually chose, uh, his name is Kim Coates, who is Tig from Sons of Anarchy. Just an absolutely, absolutely awesome actor. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters on the show. He nearly steals every scene that he's in. Uh, if any of you don't watch Sons of Anarchy, you better do it because it's awesome. I have them downloaded. I just haven't seen it yet. Well, get to it. All right. Wow. And uh, and wrapping up my castings, uh, we have Dr. Nina Mazurka, 
who is pretty much, she was responsible for the creation of the Creature Commando. She's the one that spliced all of the monster genes and basically grew everybody in the lab. Um, she's kind of quirky. She's got a lot of time within the comic. She travels with Frankenstein, and I was trying to think of who would be a good companion that's quirky, cute, but could also come off as very studious. And I immediately thought of uh, Kristen Bell from Veronica Mars, mm -hmm. somebody that could, you know, the the whole sleuthy angle of her character in that show just struck me as somebody who is beautiful, but could also, I think that it would be a good opportunity for her to show that she can actually pull off something bigger than all the crap that she's been given so far in Hollywood since she, uh, since the show had ended. Oh, forgetting Sarah Marshall's fun. Yeah. 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 No, awesome. no, I know. But I mean, come on. She did those <laughs> other things. When in Rome, I think was movie. one. It's yeah. A horrible movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's bad. So, uh, and I never I... saw couples retreat, so I have no idea. Good for you. Yeah, good for me. So yeah, so Frank are you stand, decided, Stephanie, hold on a second. What? Stephanie, are you standing up for a couple's retreat right now? No, I said it had moments. It's not a place it to make your moments. stand. Huh? That's not, it's not a good place to make your stand. Couple's retreat? No. What? This no. isn't the fanboy no, no, no. remix, I Bobby. Calm I down. I'm just I'm just kidding around. So yeah, so Frankenstein Agent of Shade, directed by Terry Gilliam, with all those casting choices. Just uh, lots of monsters, lots of lots of shortcuts, mayhem, weird angles, um, harsh harsh lighting and colors, um, just fisheye lenses. I would just I would really love to see Terry Gilliam come back with like a huge punch to the face with an awesome monster film that was really really just bizarrely filmed. I think would be awesome. So. That's what I got for my 52 casting. Very nice. Uh, oh, what? The character of that you cast as Kristen Bell, she kind of sounded a bit like uh, Sarah Pauly's character in Splice a bit to me. I have not seen that. Oh, um, yeah, you are correct. She okay. would actually be a very good choice as well. I haven't seen that movie, but I do know of her, and that's not a bad choice. She's really crazy pants in that She could movie. be the understudy. She is super crazy <laughs> pants. That, that movie is crazy pants. Oh, it really is. Yeah. Oh, I went to the premiere of that and it was just mental. <laughs> crazy fans. They were there and oh, it was. Ugh. All right. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed our casting of the new 52. We're going to move on real quick to the new releases um, that are in, your, do it. in your comic book stores today. There's lots of good stuff coming out today. There is a lot of good stuff coming out today. Unlike last week when there was nothing. It's true. It's true. Um, really quick, um, Boom Studios has Irredeemable number 32 coming out. That's a Mark Wade book. Um, we've got, from DC, we have Action Comics number four. We have Animal Man number four. Yeah! Thank goodness. We <laughs> have, uh, Batwing number four, uh, Detective Comics number four, um, Green Arrow and Honk and Dove number four. Nobody cares. Um... <laughs> Nobody does care. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what's going to be part Arrow. of Cut Day. Yeah, even if you like Green Arrow, don't like the, that Green Arrow book. It is bad. Uh, okay, Green, well, Arrow. fair enough. Yeah, I like the, I like Green Arrow as well, but that book is bad. Um, and then we also have uh, Stormwatch number four, which I think Steve is probably excited about now. I, I the third issue was killer. Mm. I hated the first two. Love the third one. 
And the moon's let's, got fingers. Yeah, the, the moon's, moon's got fingers. Let's see what happens with the fourth one to see if I'm still on board. That was a uh, that was a that was teetering on the brink for cut day. We'll see. Penguin Pain and Prejudice number three. Awesome. And Swamp Thing number four. Yes. As well as Sweet Tooth number twenty eight. Sweet. Sweet Tooth is a great series. If if you're not reading it, it's a great series. Um, Dynamite. We have uh, Garth Ennis's Jennifer Blood number seven. We have Voltron number one coming out. So how about that? For the child in you. Yeah, Voltron. There's also a video game that just came out, too. Um, weird. A Voltron video game? Yep. Like a, du- a dual stick shooter. Wow, I wonder why I didn't hear of that. It's an Xbox Live arcade pew, game. Yeah. Pew, pew. <laughs> just like that. Pew, 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 he found, he pew, found pew, a pew. use for the pew pew, huh? I know. I'm sorry. I need to get that in there. <laughs> She's been pewing all week. Gotcha. Sounds uh, gross when you say it like it that. It does sound pretty gross. It sounds yeah. pretty gross. Uh, chew number 22 from Image. As well as Walking Dead Weekly, number 49. Um, Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man 675. We have Avenging Spider-Man number two, which I'm very excited about. Oh, that's about. Uh, the next from the one that we read. Uh, good, descri- something, good description something, of it. Something, something, Yeah, good description of it, yes. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good description. Uh, Deadpool number 47. Um, Defenders number one, which I think I'm actually going to check out. You can look for a review of that this week on the site. Hulk number 45, Moon Knight number 8, Punisher number 6, and Venom number 10, um, as well as about six X-Men titles, it looks like. X-23, number 18, X-Club number 1, X-Factor number 228, X-Men number 22, and a couple of trades, a couple of X-Men trades are also coming out. There are also a few uh, books coming out that would qualify for the beaten path. Oh, yeah. Well, we got some uh, from Xenoscope. Yeah. We have Grim Fairy Tales, number 66. Sweet. Is hitting. Um, and Grim Fairy Tales, Myths and Legends, number 10. Oh, also, okay. I did find out that the uh, Strange Talent of Luther Strode, number three, I've been waiting yes. for that, is coming out tomorrow. Good call. Excited I am. All right. I'm glad that you are excited. It's going to beat some ass. And uh, something called Jurassic Strike Force number zero is coming out from Xenoscope, which is only 99 cents. Dinosaurs with guns. That would be awesome. Robo-guns. If, that's what that is, if, it, if they're Dinobots, I'll be very, very excited. <laughs> Grimlock. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's pretty much it for the show. Just before we get out of here, uh, we don't really do news on the show, but two really big things happened today before we started recording. Um. Patty Jenkins is no longer directing Thor 2, which is a shame. I, 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 the Marvel stuff <laughs> is so weird sometimes. I don't. Their movies make so much money. They seem so successful. And then, but they always seem to have some sort of tumultuous time before movies get made. They have a lot of hiccups. They do have a lot of hiccups. They got a lot of people that walk. They do. It says creative differences. Oh, I got some, a little quick piece of news. Okay, snap. A piece of fun. What is it? Um, apparently. <laughs> They wanted Mr. Bradley Cooper to be the crow in the crow remake. Yeah, I don't know if that. you guys know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But apparently he went to go and meet with them to discuss it. And they shifted over the table the concept art for the character. He took a look at it and went, no. <laughs> so I thought he was out of that a long time ago. Yeah, but they, I don't, they brought it up this week again to, to just drive Reiterate. home the fact that this is a really bad idea. We hate you. Bradley Cooper as the crow. Okay. Well, apparently Bradley Cooper hated himself as the crow. Yes. <laughs> he backed well, out the, the rest movie. of us do too. Yeah. Um, he seems a little snarky to be the crow. A little bit. To me. A little bit. He's like, well, I'm dead. Yeah. 
Um, I'm too good looking for this. Exactly. Look at my hair. Yeah. Um, and um, huge news today. In 2012, starting in March 2012, we're going to have Avengers versus the X-Men da, da, da. in the Marvel Universe. It's Marvel's big event for next year. It's 12 uh, bi-weekly issues written by five of really the biggest comic book creators going right now. Um, we have Brian Michael Bendis. Sorry, I lost it. Brian Michael Bendis, Jason Aaron, Ed Brubaker, Jonathan Hickman, and Matt Fraction. And the story is basically... Uh, Phoenix Force is coming to Earth, and they think it's going to pick a new um, host, and they are pretty sure it's going to be Hope Summers, and the X-Men want to protect Hope, and the Avengers want to take her out, so that's where the battle comes together. Uh, Steve, what do you think of a big event like this? Uh, I think it'd be awesome if I was able to actually jump onto something like that. Uh, they're, they're gonna they're gonna build it as something from the beginning, correct? Yeah, usually as oh, the beginning of events, you can usually jump on. Well, the problem with X Men is that there's so many mutants that I have no idea who they are. That I'm a little concerned as to who the group is gonna be. Right. Yeah. You know, the is it gonna is it gonna be familiar so characters that are popular within the culture, or is it gonna be like you know, I don't know, Jubilee's fourth cousin? Oh, fucking Jubilee. <laughs> Nobody likes no, you, Jubilee. everybody. That's, I think that's the second time we've slagged on Ju- Jubilee on this podcast. Or Dazzler. Fucking die, Jubilee. <laughs> and all, all my hatred of Jubilee, by the way, comes from the animated series. Hag. Yeah. I know. She's just so lame. Ugh. Oh, I broke my TV. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, because she tried to turn it on and it yeah. went out. Yeah. She like that. breaks it in the first episode and then she's like crying and that's why she runs away. And- <sighs> The sentinels hiding behind the tree. Yes, I, <laughs> I remember that now. I'm like having flashbacks to being a child watching watching that show. I love that when you watch those old cartoons on Netflix and like you're going down memory lane. You're like, whoa! Why is he? That's what happens to me. How does he think he's being inconspicuous? <laughs> With the sentinel? Well, think about the Transformers <laughs> movie when they're hanging out outside of Sam Witwicky's yeah. window. Let's not think the- about the Transformers movie. It's yeah, a happy no, place. No. It's a safe all right, place. All right, all right. We got we to wrap this up we anyway. Do, we do have to wrap this up. Um, but yeah, the, a huge news. Um, I'm really pumped. I'm, I will have no idea what's going on when I first start reading it. But if it's, if it's good writing, which it should be from these people. I mean, Bendis is one of my favorites and Brubaker is amazing. So I, I, I'm psyched about reading it. I'm all for it. I just hope that I, just hope that I can read it. That's, that's my concern. Right. Is, is, is it going to be something that I can pick up and be like, this is awesome. Not rise up. Right, like I just, I just, I don't want to have to know the entire universe to to appreciate it. That Welcome kind of to the thing. world of comic books. Yeah, well, you know, I'm here to stay. <laughs> well, it'll be like Civil War a bit, wouldn't it? Probably, yes. Yeah, and you can pick up Civil War and not really have to know much of the the details. More thing about all those those runs is just remember there are things I don't know, so don't try to know everything when you first read it. You know what I mean? Like, why is Spider-Man wearing this costume? Like, if, you, if you get into that space in your just head, you'll embrace it. Exactly. You'll never, you'll never enjoy it if you don't embrace just the stuff you don't know, which is what I found, especially trying to get into some of the Marvel stuff cold recently. Yeah. Is that what you kind of have to do? Um, all right. So that's it for, oh no, we should probably go over how people get in touch with us. That'd probably be a That'd good be a idea. That'd be a good idea, especially since we've been doing lots of footwork. We have. Steve, why don't you tell people where they can get in touch with us? Um, Sure. <laughs> you can let's see if you have a twitter account you can reach us at at talking comics 
Uh, we got lots and lots of tweets going on. Making Seems lots been doing of a kick-ass friends. job. Yes, I have been. So coming to Very coming, modest. I'm patting myself on the back, man. I've been doing good. I've been talking people, making moves. Um, yeah, seriously, uh, tweet us. Respond to, uh, we put up questions every now and then. We're going to have some things going on. We want to know what you think. We want to know if you're reading stuff that we're not. Uh, tell us who your favorite artists are. Tell us who you think should have their own 52 movie. Um, your castings, your directors, all that stuff. Maybe, just maybe, we'll even read it on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What's the email, Bobby? Email is info at talkingcomicbooks.com. So if you have any longer form stuff you want to send in that you can't fit onto Twitter um, or on our Facebook page. Our lonely Facebook page. Uh, Talking Comics um, on Facebook. You can send them in there. And um, we, we'd love to hear from you guys. Hearing from you guys. It, we love doing the show. We love talking to each other. But it really makes it worth it when we hear from you guys. Um, and let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Anything you want us to talk about. Looks like Steve said. Any, any, any questions you might have about any of the new 52 or beyond. We'll try to answer the beyond questions. We might have to consult Wikipedia. In, in, the, in those matters but um, again on that note also iTunes subscribe to the show if you use iTunes or any other podcasting software you might use um, makes it really easy to get the show just one click and then every time we get a new show we'll just get downloaded to your machine um, also if you use iTunes review us on iTunes or rate us please it really helps um, get noticed on iTunes and also again hearing your feedback it, it really gives us a lot of energy to do the show. And so it's really important to us that we hear from you guys. Um, I think that's it, though. I got two more things to say, Bobby. Oh, boy. Jesus Christ, Real quick. Uh, One, first and foremost, I would like to thank uh, Stephanie once again for coming on the show and for joining us. Uh, I was going to thank her before we left the show. Ah, listen. Brown noser. It's it's nice to have her. Brown noser. Do we not enjoy her company? I did. I did. But I was going to say that on the exit. Thanks a lot, Steve. Well, you can... Whatever. He ruined stuff. Tearing us apart, Stephanie. And definitely (laughs) tune in uh, next week. We're going to have Andrew Foley on the show. He's going to come and talk to us about Done to Death. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We don't know in what capacity yet, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure that it's going to be bloody awesome. Is that next week for sure? Yeah, yeah. I've been talking to him and it looks like it's a go. Yeah. Um, So yeah, barring any unforeseen circumstances, Andrew Foley will be with us next week. Awesome. It'll be great. So, I think that about does it for the comic book podcast. Yeah, shut up now. Talking comics for this week. For Steve. Goodbye, everybody. Stephanie. Goodbye. I am Bobby. Catch us next week on the next issue of Talking Comic Books. Talking Comic Books.